Hey, good morning. I am, if you're new, I am Charlie, uh, lead pastor here. Really glad that you are worshiping with us today. You've caught us in the middle of our um, series we do about money, um, you know, very creatively named. So this is kind of what we do. We do it every year. It's really important. It's, it is one of the most important series that we do all year. And there's three reasons it's important for us to, to remind ourselves of this, the reasons why we talk about this a lot. While, while we're a church that has made a decision, made a decision as long as I've been here, that we are going to be a church that regularly talks about money. And there's three primary reasons for that, and these are kind of, kind of shape the entire nature of this particular series. And the first one is what we talked about last week. It's the number one thing that's competing for our number one priority in our, in, in our lives. You know, God, we're supposed to worship God, God only. He's supposed to be number one. And the thing that competes the most, that distracts us most, that's looking to be number one, is our pursuit of money and and influence and wealth. And so we talked about that last week, that we need to have a perspective. We need to stop doing this thing that I think a lot of us do. Which is we we use our we, we we use God to kind of help us get more money. We try to manipulate God to kind of bless us, but really money is the driver, and we want God's help with the big thing, as opposed to what God's calling us to do, which is to use money um, to serve God. It's an incredible tool, right? So we talked about that last week. This week, what we're going to talk about the second reason why we why we need to be talking about money. It is it's a huge uh, source of anxiety. For us. It's the thing that's keeping a lot of people up at night. It's the thing that's causing a lot of people a lot of stress. It's the number one thing that's kind of uh, dividing families, breaking up marriages, stresses about money. So we've got to figure out, we got to figure out a way to do this. If it's attacking us in so many ways, we've got to figure out a way to bring healing to our own hearts and to um, keep our families united. So that's what we're talking about today. And number three, the thing that Mark's going to be talking to us about next week is it really is one of the two primary tools, engines, fuel, depending, use your metaphor. One of the primary ways that God, God, is, um, that God is using to make a difference in this world. Right next to our time and, our, and the gifts that we have, God is using our resources to make a difference in this world. So it's a powerful tool if we'll use it in the right way. And so put those three things together, becomes, it becomes absolutely essential. It is way too big of an issue collectively and individually in our lives just not spend a lot of time talking about it. And so today, the thing that we're doing, we're going to ask this big question. It's kind of the big picture question that we're trying to answer today, which is how do I avoid money anxiety? How do I avoid money anxiety? I'm, I've, I've, I've got this thing in me and it just seems like I, just too much. I'm worrying about money. And I want you to know, just kind of full, full disclaimer here, I really do feel like more than most weeks, I'm really preaching to myself this week. This is something that I definitely, that I definitely struggle with, just kind, of, just kind of having an anxious heart, worrying too much about it, thinking too much about it. And there's a couple of things that, that, that play into this. And so this is, this is where we'll, we'll call it oversharing. Um, so, so the, you're not going to understand at first how these two things tie, but I have to confess one thing first, right? I have a really, I have a really small bladder, okay? So I'll just kind of get that out there, just kind of no shame in it. It's been true my whole life. It was true when I was a kid. It's not just that I'm getting old. Getting older makes it a little bit worse. It was true when I was a kid. We would go on these long road trips, and my dad would want us you know, get up at 5, get in the car at 6, and then just drive until 10, right? We'd just drive all day, but I was going to be like, I need to, I, I need to go to the bathroom. And then my dad would say this. He would say, 
uh, can you just hold it? And I'm like, it's kind of what, I, it's what I've been doing. And now I can't. <laughs> you can, and then you can't, right? It's like, now I can't. But it didn't, it didn't understand, and, and, and I didn't understand, and then I just eventually just kind of realized, well, I just have a small bladder. I mean, like, I, 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 could, I could go into more detail, and you don't want that. Um, and so the problem is, it's, you know, my whole life, I've always had to get up at least once or sometimes twice in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom. And so you put that together with an overactive mind, and all it takes, and I, and I battle this sometimes, like I, like I wake up in the middle of the night, I have to go to the bathroom, right? It's okay, okay, don't think about anything, don't think about anything, don't think about anything, don't. Then all of a sudden you get there, and it's like, hey, you still own that other house and Cabot, don't you? I'm like, dang it! And now my brain just kind of goes, well, man, that... That deficit at the church and giving, that's kind of a thing, isn't it? And like, oh. And so then now my brain is like, we're going to solve this problem. I don't know about you, but I, uh, I, I just get real pessimistic at night. And I've never once come up with a good idea at 2.30 in the morning, right? Like, you're trying to solve a problem. There's not one idea I've ever had at 2.30 in the morning about how we're going to solve this problem that doesn't make you seem like an idiot at 7 o'clock in the morning, right? And so next thing I know, I've lost an hour's sleep. I've lost two hours' sleep stressing about something that is a problem that in daylight I think I have managed. I know, I think I've got this, but just, this anxiety can just, kind of, can just kind of get you. And, and I don't know... I don't know about you. I know the percentages are that an overwhelming majority of us on some level right now would say that, that we're struggling with anxiety about money. It is, a, it is a stressor. And honestly, more than... like we, You've always used as an excuse the reason we don't like to talk about money at church is because there's been a history of kind of greedy um, pastors and evangelists talking about money. But I, honestly, I think... We don't want to talk about it um, at, at 10.30, 11 o'clock on a, on a Sunday morning for the same reason I don't want to think about it at 2.30 in the morning. Because it just triggers something in me. It triggers an anxiety that I would really honestly just rather avoid. But really, we've got to figure out a way to deal with this better. I've got to figure out how to, how to rid myself of this. And Jesus has some great words for us on this topic, this very specific topic, in Matthew chapter 6. So if you have the Bible app, you have the Bible with you, feel free to turn there to Matthew chapter 6. If not, it will be on the screen. Matthew chapter 6, starting to verse, verse 25. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothes. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you by worrying add a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. And your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. 
Each day has enough trouble of its own. So he's speaking to a group of people here that are obviously struggling with some sort of anxiety about, about money and food and all these kinds of things, to, uh, provision. And there's a couple of things I want to make sure that we all understand before we kind of get into the, the pieces of advice here that I believe that Jesus gives. First is this, is there may be some people here in this uh, here uh, at church today that um, aren't just have some money anxiety, but really are struggle with anxiety, like, like, you were, like you're an anxious person, kind of a chronic anxiety, or maybe it's even kind of led you into depression, where really what you need is help. You need someone to kind of, you need a counselor, you need someone to talk to. You have something that requires more than a couple of pieces of advice. And so these pieces of advice, they, they can seem flippant, I think, to someone who is really kind of overwhelmed by, by kind of a deep level anxiety. And if that's you, please let us know. We want to help you, get you connected with the right kind of resources. Because the last thing that I would ever want is for it to feel like this. And I know sometimes if you struggle with depression or anxiety, you know, somebody, you know, oh, I'm just really struggling being anxious. And someone says to you, well, have you tried not being anxious? <laughs> I feel depressed. I'm depressed. I'm like, oh, have you, have, you, have you thought about being happy instead? Right? And, and that can feel like overwhelmingly hurtful because you, you need more than three steps to kind of overcome money anxiety. And if that's you, don't hear anything that I'm saying is flippant. Hear us reaching out to you with both hands, saying that we want to connect you with the resources you need to come overcome something that may be crippling you. But for most of us, we just kind of have normal, you know, human anxiety about money, and, and Jesus has some great things to say. The second thing that I want to make sure that we all understand is that Jesus is talking to a very impoverished audience. And this is an important Bible study tool for you in, in anything that you're reading in the New Testament. Anything that you read in the New Testament, especially for American Christians, what, what the application that you are drawing from this passage has to also be true for the poorest Christian in Africa. The thing that you are expecting God to do in your life needs to be the same kind of thing that He is doing for the most impoverished people living in Central America. Okay, And so we somehow can get it into our head that, that God owes us or wants to give us something bigger and greater than what He's wanting to do everywhere else in the world simply because we're Americans. And none of us would say that out loud, right? But we, we can kind of get into this trap a little bit. And really what all of this points to is that we really have a perspective problem. We have a perspective problem with us and God and money, with us and God and other people and money, with us. It, we just, we're just all mixed up. Our brain has, we, we have decided that we are entitled to more than what we are, and we're wrong about what the purpose and point of life is. And so we'll say that point this way. This is kind of our big, one of our big ideas, kind of the first thing that Jesus says, is that we need to keep life into perspective. We need to keep life in perspective. This is what he says to them. I tell you, don't worry about your life, about your drink, about your body. So he says, this, is not life more than food? And so what he's saying to them is like, you have this idea that really the only thing that matters in life is kind of what you can eat and what you wear. And, and say, life is so much more than that. 
Think about what life really is. The God of the universe created you and cares about you. The God of the universe has given you a mission and a purpose in life. God has surrounded you with incredible people to love and interact and serve. Life is so much more than stuff. And you need to be thinking about really kind of where, where life really is. Life is really found primarily first in God. It is found secondly in our ability to love and relate to other people. That's what Jesus said. He's the most important things in the world. Love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. These are the most important things. And you're worried about stuff. Now I just want to make sure that though that we've really heard what Jesus was saying. He's talking to people who maybe ate today, like they ate food today, but are worried that they may, they're kind of day laborers. They're worried that maybe tomorrow they may not get hired as a day laborer and then they won't have the money that they need tomorrow to eat food tomorrow. Now with maybe a random exception of one or two people, whatever money anxiety you have, it's not where tomorrow's food is going to come from. Right? And so the gap between what you're worried about and what these people, the Jesus audience is talking about, the gap between those two is huge. Well, it's not about food tomorrow. It's not what clothes you have tomorrow. You know what clothes you're going to wear tomorrow. The anxiety you have is which one of these outfits do I want to wear tomorrow? Right? You look into a closet full of clothes and say, I don't have anything to wear. I wish I had something else. There are other people that have nicer clothes than me. There's these really great restaurants in town that I can't afford to eat at. I have to spend seven bucks at fast food. You spend seven bucks on one meal? You know what that makes you? Historically and worldwide, it makes you rich. And you're worried about it. And so I'm not trying to shame you. I'm just trying to say there's a huge gap between what you're worrying about and what they're worrying about and even what they're worrying about, right? They're worrying about where I'm going to eat tomorrow. How am I going to get food and what does Jesus say to them? Don't worry about that. Life's way bigger than that. You're like, life's more important. It's more... I need food to eat life, to have life. I gotta eat food to live. I gotta have clothes to not die but from exposure. And and Jesus is like, ah oh, man, don't worry about that. Life's so much bigger. And so even before we can get to the point that Jesus is making, we've got a huge drop in our perspective. I'm just not gonna worry about it because life isn't about what I have about what I eat, about what I wear. Life is about God and people. And even as I'm saying this, even as I'm saying this out loud and I hear the words coming out of my mouth, I think, man, how many times would I have to say this and how long would you have to meditate on it for it to ever start to really feel like that's true? That I really could say that by comparison... What I have is irrelevant in life. That what is relevant in life is who God is in my life and the people that He's placed in my life. What I have, it just doesn't matter by comparison. It matters some. I mean, Jesus says, man, God will take care of me. He'll take care of the bird. The bird's fine. The grass is fine. The flowers are fine. It's all fine. 
So God's got you too. It's not that it's nothing. He's got it. But think about what life really is. So I recognize, man, just even saying this. It's gonna, it's gonna, it, it, rings, it rings weird. It's kind of one of these things like maybe, 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 maybe I agree with that. Maybe, maybe that's true. But it's going to take a while for that to really sink in, which is great. God's given us a whole lifetime to kind of put all this together. But if we're going to overcome the money anxiety that we have, we're first and foremost, we're going to have to keep our life in perspective. Uh, the second thing is this, is that, um, is, is that we need to stay in the moment. We need to stay in the moment. There were way too many of us, man, we are living lives in the future. We're not, we're not really focused on what's going on today. We're not really living life today. It's always about what's coming tomorrow. And you could obviously, you could make a bigger sermon about this well beyond money and well beyond provision. We could be thinking, we could be thinking a lot about much, a lot, a lot more about, about not living in the moment. But specifically with money, specifically with money, this is, this, is what, this is what Jesus says. And again, this is one of those things that if you are dealing with like real you know, chronic anxiety or depression or anything like this, this is one of those things that could sound like what Jesus is saying is flippant, right? But it's actually a really important principle that I think that we all need to understand. Verse 27, he says this, Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Which is an incredible, powerful statement where he says, he's saying this, is your worrying, is it accomplishing anything? Man, if I just worry and stress about this thing enough, my lo- I'm going to live longer. In fact, what, 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 what the medical profession would tell us is that the opposite is true. That the anxiety that you have is actually probably decreasing your life. It makes you, uh, what it's doing to your heart, what it is doing to your body. It is breaking your body down. It is reducing your life, not increasing your life. But even if that weren't true, it is definitely true that you worrying today is not going to make you live one minute longer. So what is the point? And then he says this at the end in verse 34. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. I mean, there's some verses you read and you're like, man, I don't know if I buy into that. You have to convince me. And there's some verses you read and it's like, boom! What's your counter-argument to that? Each day's got plenty of trouble. you got enough to worry about today. If you want to be worried about something, worry about today. Are you being who God's called you to be today? The stress that you have today? The relationship problems you have today? Just focus on today. Just, just being today. Tomorrow, yeah, I, I'm sure there's going to be plenty of things to stress out tomorrow. But stress about these things today. And then when tomorrow's today, you can worry about those things. Focus right here. We can't let our anxiety about the future keep us from being who God has called us to be today. And what happens is, is that anxiety about the future and what might happen in the future pulls us away. And what God's calling us, man, you need to keep all this in perspective. Keep it all in perspective. And then you need to stay here. And I think about this for me, and, I, and, and again, if you've been around for a while, I apologize, and someday you will be free from the burden of me whining about this other house that we have, right? Someday you'll be free. I'll be free and you'll be free, and we'll all celebrate together, right? Okay, but if you don't know, we moved here about seven and a half years ago, and we still own the home that we lived in, the town we, moved in, we lived in before. 
for a lot of that time, it's been rented, and we just recently put it back on the market, said we're not going to rent it again, and we're just going to put it out there, and we're, gonna, we're just going to leave it on there till it sells. And this was back in the fall, right? And, and, it, and, it's, and it's, 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 been, it's been insane. It's been insane. It should have sold it's, the whole thing, the whole seven-and-a-half-year story. It's just a huge comedy of errors where it's just like, it's just, it just, it's, it's like a sitcom, right? I mean, it, it's just uh, maybe, one of, maybe a dark comedy. I don't know. Um, and, and it's frustrating. Part of me feels like I use it so much, talk about it so much as illustration, I should, like, I, could, I should be able to write it off for like tax purposes. Like I use, I use this in my job all the time, just talking about it, right? Um, but no, 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 not doing it. Call the IRS on me or anything. You want to talk about keeping life in perspective? So this, this thing keeps me up at night sometimes. And then, and then, then, I, then I think about it because, because honestly, this sermon I feel like it's for me, and I've been God's been doing this in me over the last week. One of my big stressors in life is that where where are we going to get the money to pay for the second house that we own? I'm embarrassed to say that. It's real to me, and I don't want to pretend that it's not, and I don't want to be, I don't want to pretend that I'm something that I'm not, that I've somehow, but, but I hear that and I think, dude, what is your worst case scenario? What is your worst case scenario? That you have to walk away from it? And then you still own a house, and you still have everything that you need, plus most of the things that you want, and you have this one embarrassing thing that happened to you. That is your worst case scenario. And there are people in the world struggling with so much more. The people that you're trying to love and serve are struggling with so much more than that. But it gets me. And then I can't stay in the moment. And again, the the 2.30 a.m. brain, it's like, okay, well, it's February and it's March. And I think I know what we're going to be able to do for March and and maybe April. But if this happens and 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 this happens, what's going to happen in June? And, and then God's voice, which again, I, it, God's voice sounds a little bit like my voice sometimes. It's kind of a, kind of a sarcastic little, kind of a sarcastic punk, which I'm sure that's just kind of his filter, my filter for him. Or maybe he just talks to me the way I talk to me. And he's like, dude, he says, dude, dude, June, you're worried about June? It's February. And you're talking about June? Your worst problem is your... Other house may not be able to be paid for in June. June. It's February. But, 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 what, but what? The thing that you're saying now in February about June, you were saying in September about February. You have no credibility on this issue. Okay. took care of you today took care of you yesterday and when tomorrow's today I'll take care of today and the next ten todays next hundred todays next thousands of todays again don't hear me say more than I am I don't know what's going to happen with this house I do know this I know that the God of the universe says that he's going to take care of us and the way that he says it is this and it's a really powerful verse in, in verse 33 But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness 
and all these things will be given to you as well. So simply put, he's just saying, what Jesus is saying here is, man, seek God first. But just put God first. He says, in all these things, God will take care of them. God will take care of them. If you'll just seek God first. Now, we've got to make sure that we're real clear because this is, I was thinking today, I was thinking today that this might be the number one cross-stitch inspirational cat poster verse that people have in their homes, right? It's kind of like one of those, like, like a big one. You've probably, most people have probably heard it or seen it in a, in a doily at their grandma's house, right? Um, I was thinking it might be number one. I was talking to somebody about it in between services. He's like, no, dude. Um, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm like, oh, yes, this is at best number two, Okay. So we talk about that, but what is he saying? Well, you can make sure we understand this promise. This promise, because you, yeah, you pop this verse out, you can make it mean whatever you want it to mean. But what is his promise? His promise that all these things will be added to you. Well, what are the things? The food and the clothes. The food and the clothes. Not the luxuries. I mean, we're stressed and frustrated that somehow God isn't providing us with all of the luxuries that we want. He's never promised that. What he has promised is that if we will keep life in the right perspective and we will stay in this moment and seek him first, then all the things that we need, he's going to take care of. And there's plenty of other verses that talk about that God is overwhelmingly blessing you. But the peace is going to come. It's like, I know that God is going to take care of everything that I need if I'll just stay in this moment I'll keep my life in perspective. And it says, I'll seek him first. And what, how does he say that? Seek him first. He says, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And one of the things I try to have a good radar for is overly churchy phrases found in the Bible that we say that we know what they mean and we don't really know what they mean. It's like, guys, guys, you need to seek first the kingdom. Like, oh, yeah, okay. And his righteousness, yeah. Well, I don't know what that means. I don't know what that means. It sounds good to yell it. Preacher voice. Oh, it means. What does it mean to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness? Let's just say it this way. We'll just say it this way. His mission and his character. He has a mission and a purpose for your life. And I'm going to make that my top priority. I'm going to make it my top priority to live out his purpose for my life. Not my purpose for my life, his purpose for my life. I'm going to make that first. And I'm going to seek out his righteousness, his character. I'm going to, have to try to have character like God does. So my priority in my life is I'm going to do the things that God's called me to do. I'm going to live life according to his purpose for my life, not my purpose for my life. And then I'm going to try to have a life full of character that matches God's character. And if I do that, that will help me have my life in perspective. That will help me stay in these moments. That will help me to trust God. And then what God will do is he'll provide. He'll give me and provide for me the life that I need. Not that I want, but that I need. That's what God said He will do. And that's the promise. It's a conditional promise. We need to make sure that we understand. It is a conditional, limited promise. It is not do whatever you want and God will give you whatever you want. It's if you'll leave these priorities, you live these life and priorities, you'll get everything that you need. But as, as limited as it might be, and the conditional that it might be, actually both the limitations and the conditions are actually the, the, the key to where the life is, really. But let's just be honest. Your perspective about money, your perspective about what money is supposed to be, the accumulation of wealth, the pursuit of more, it has left you severely, chronically, 
unsatisfied. But if I will make a decision that I'm going to make my priorities his priorities, I'm going to make a decision to say that I'm going to want my character to match his character, then all of a sudden my perspective about money has changed, my anxiety goes away, I'm able to live in this moment and do the things right now that God has called me to do, and all these things will be added to me as well. But here's the problem with most of our prayers about money. Here's where things get a little bit salty. Up until this point, maybe we can still be friends. Most of our prayers about money are essentially saying to God, will you please bless my disobedience to you? I'm not living a life in accordance with your priorities. I am certainly not using the money that you have given me according to your priorities. I am not giving the way that I'm supposed to. I'm not being generous the way that I'm supposed to. I'm not managing my money the way that you're supposed to. I'm doing everything wrong with my money. I'm living well outside of of your plan for my life, but will you come bless me anyway? I want you to bless my disobedience. I don't know what you think about God, but that is not one of his top prayers he's looking to answer. 